Chapter Thirteen of Unto Caesar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Unto Caesar by Emma Ortsey. Chapter Thirteen. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Saint John one forty six. Dea Flavia was standing beside a tall stool, on the top of which, on a level with her hands, was a shapeless mass of clay. Her fingers buried themselves in the soft substance, or ran along the surface, as the exigencies of her task demanded. Now and then she paused in her work, drew back a step or two from the stool, and with head bent on one side surveyed her work with an anxious frown some few paces from her at the further end of the room a young girl sat on an elevated platform with shoulders bare and head straight and rigid the model for the proposed statue dea flavia in a simple garment of soft white stuff falling straight from her shoulders looked peculiarly young and girlish at this moment when she was free from all the pomp and paraphernalia of attendance that usually surrounded her wherever she went the room in which she indulged her artistic fancy was large and bare with stuccoed walls on which she herself had thrown quaint and fantastic pictures of goddesses and of beasts and groups of charioteers and gladiators drawn with a skilful hand the room derived its light solely from above where through a wide opening in the ceiling came a peep of cloud-covered sky there was little or no furniture about and the floor of iridescent mosaic was innocent of carpet only in the corners against the wall stood tall pots of earthenware filled with flowers with a profusion of late summer lilies and roses and with great branches of leaves on which the coming autumn had already planted its first kiss that turns green to gold hold thy head up girl a little higher said dea flavia impatiently thou sittest there like a hideous misshapen bunch of nothing at all dost think i've paid a high price for thee that thou shouldst go to sleep all day upon that trussel and the girl roused from semi-somnolence would pull herself together with a little jerk would straighten her shoulders and lift her chin whilst a quickly smothered sigh of weariness would escape her lips the air was heavy both within and without with the presage of a coming storm it had been terribly hot the last few days the weather-wise for there were many such at this time in rome had prophesied that jupiter would send his thunders roaring before very long and the feeling of thunder in the air caused the model to feel very sleepy and on the forehead of dea flavia beads of perspiration would appear at the roots of tiny fair curls she was working with a will but with strange fretful movements like one whose mind seems absent from the present task short sighs of impatience escaped her parted lips at intervals and a frown appeared and disappeared fitfully between her brows chin up girl 
shoulders straight came in curt admonitions once or twice to the drowsy model whereupon from the furthest corner of the room licinia would emerge rod in hand to emphasize the necessity of keeping awake when a beloved mistress so desired it let her be licinia said dea flavia with angry impatience when for the fifth time now the model fell in a huddled heap with nose almost touching her knees and heavy lids falling over sleepy eyes it's no use there is something in the air to-day i cannot work phew methinks i feel the approach of thunder she threw down her modelling tools with a fretful gesture and then nervily began to destroy her morning's work patting the clay aimlessly here and there until once more it became a shapeless mass that lazy baggage hath spoilt thy pleasure said licinia gruffly but i'll teach her no no good licinia interposed the young girl with a weary smile teach her nothing to-day the air is too heavy for serious lessons send her away and bring me water for my hands then as licinia muttering various dark threats drove the frightened girl before her dea flavia breathed a sigh of relief her hands were covered with clay so she stood quite still waiting for the reappearance of licinia with the water and all the while the frown on her face grew darker and the look of trouble in her eyes more pronounced soon the old woman returned with a basin full of water in her hands and a white cloth over her arm with her wonted loving care she washed dia's hands between her own and dried them on the towel dia allowed her to perform this kindly office for her standing quite still and gazing absently out into vacancy what can i do now for thee my precious asked licinia anxiously nothing licinia nothing replied dia with a sigh just leave me in peace i have a desire for solitude and silence it was the old woman's turn to sigh now for she did not like this unwanted mood of her beloved dia flavia when in the privacy of her own house was always gay and cheerful as a bird prattling of all sorts of things telling amusing anecdotes to her old nurse and playing light-heartedly with her young slaves whenever she was not occupied with her artistic work this frown upon the smooth white brow was very unusual and the fretful impatient gestures were as unwanted as was that dreamy absent gaze which spoke of anxious troubled thoughts dea flavia herself could not understand her own mood she could not have confided in the faithful old woman even had she been so minded for truly she would not have known what to confide her thoughts worried her they were so insistent dwelling obstinately on one moment which had flitted by yesterday the moment when she stood facing the prefect of rome and looking into his deep dark eyes which then and there had reminded her of a stormy sea suddenly lulled to rest it seemed as if nothing now or ever hereafter would chase from her mind the memory of his look and of his rugged voice softened to infinite gentleness as he said i told thee that he died upon the cross 
she could hear that voice now even as at this moment from afar a muffled sound of thunder went echoing over the hills and strive as she might wherever she looked her eyes were haunted by a vision which he had conjured up of a man with arms outstretched upon a cross whose might was yet greater than that of rome at the time she had been greatly angered the praefect had spoken traitorous words and she had hated him she hated him still for that allegiance which he seemed to have given to another then with a quick elusive trick memory showed her the massive shoulders bent humbly at her feet tying the strings of her shoe a simple homage due to the daughter of caesar and the sharp pang of wrath once more shot through her heart with the remembrance that he had not deigned to press his lips against her foot the man's face and figure haunted her for it was the face and the figure of one whom she had learnt to hate yes she hated him for his treason to caesar for his allegiance to that rebel from galilee she hated every word which he had spoken in that arrogant masterful way of his when he smiled upon her threats and calmly spoke of immortality she hated the voice which perpetually rang in her ear the voice with which he spoke of his own soul being in the keeping of god of one whose empire is mightier than that of rome yet vaguely still for she was but a girl the woman in her was stirred the power and desire which exists in every woman's soul to conquer that which seems furthest from her reach she hated the man and yet within her inmost heart there had sprung the desire to curb and possess his to disturb the perfect serenity that dwelt in his deep-set eyes to kindle in them a passion which would make of that proud spirit a mere slave to her will there was in her just now nothing but the pagan desire to rule and to break a heart if need be if she could not otherwise subdue it memory had fanned her wrath she saw him now as she had seen him yesterday arrogantly thwarting her will his bitter tongue lashing her with irony and now as yesterday the blush of humiliation burned her cheeks and her pride and dignity rose up in passionate revolt against the one man who had ever defied her and who had proudly proclaimed his allegiance to a man who was not the caesar that allegiance belonged to caesar and to his might alone beyond that there was the house of caesar and failing that nothing but rebellious treachery and the troubled look grew deeper in dea flavia's face and now she buried her hot cheeks in her hands for the humiliation which she had endured yesterday from one man seemed to shame her even now i'll break thy will she murmured whilst angry tears rose burning to her eyes i'll shame thy manhood and never rest until i see thee crawling an abject slave at the feet of caesar who shall kick thee in the face caesar and the house of caesar brook no rivalry in the heart of a roman patrician her hands dropped from before her face she threw back her head and looked straight before her into the darkest corner of the room jesus of nazareth 
he called thee she said slowly and as if speaking to an invisible presence and he said at thy call he would give up the world and suffer death and torture and shame for thee then so be it and i do defy thee o man of galilee even i dea flavia augusta of the imperial house of caesar for that man whom i hate and despise for that man who has defied and shamed me for that man whose heart and allegiance thou hast filched from caesar for him will i do thee battle and that heart will i conquer and it shall be caesar's and mine mine for i will break it and crush it first and then wrest it from thee and even as she spoke from far away over the hills and beyond the campagna the thunder rolled dully in response End of chapter 13